Guys, it is so good to be here this morning. Woo, that's better, right? All right. Well, hey, I am so thankful for this morning, and I'm honestly so thankful for this new role. Uh, there is nothing uh, like families uh, in the sense that, man, there's a special burden on God's heart for our families. There's a special burden on God's heart to see families thrive and to see our society, even our culture, changed and transformed by healthy families, fathers and mothers and kids, uh, all thriving in relationship with the Lord. So I'm excited about that. And I'd love to even talk about that more. We're going to hit a little bit of that today. But uh, so as you guys know, uh, uh, if you do know me, that is, uh, my name is Donnie Tapey and my wife is Meredith Tapey. She's amazing, an incredible woman of God. She's right over there. Uh, and then I've got three little world changers, uh, Adelaide, Lachlan, and Alder. If you can put up that picture there of them. I think it's the first slide. There you go. So that's me and Meredith and our kids. And then the, uh, the, the uh, next picture is just to get, give you an idea of the, the amount of adorableness that my heart has to endure on a daily basis. I mean, sometimes it feels like I'm going to explode with how cute they are. So, so thankful for them. Love them so much. And if you're joining us online, man, uh, you weren't able to maybe see those pictures. I'm not sure. But uh, if not, I'm sad for you because you missed out. But so glad that you're here. So glad that you're joining us today. So um, uh, on this note of kids, I'm, I'm well aware that there's kids in the audience today. So if they're making noise or being loud, do not worry. I have three kids. I remember before... Um, before uh, Meredith and I had kids, being in Target and slightly judging the parents who had like the, the kids in the toy aisle who were melting down until I found myself to be that parent one day. And you're like profusely sweating, bribing your child with gummy bears, anything you can possibly imagine to get them to stop doing what they're doing. So I totally get it. Parents, uh, we're thankful for your kids and the fact that they're in here. Um, so uh, as you know, we've been in our series, Prince of Peace, and we've been going through Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And as we've been going through, we've been looking at the different uh, descriptors of this king, uh, King Jesus, and what this king would be like. We've talked about him being a wonderful counselor and an everlasting father. And so today we're going to be focusing on the phrase Prince of Peace. So open your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. You can do it on your phone or somewhere else, but I encourage you to follow along. We're, we're going to have a, a good amount of scripture today, and so I really want you guys to jump in with me. So Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says this, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end and on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. You know, as I thought about this phrase, Prince of Peace, and what it could mean for us, I couldn't help but think about uh, how so often we lack peace. And even my kids, sometimes I notice that they're lacking peace. That's why sometimes they, they fight with each other. And I couldn't help but think about it in relation to, the, to them. And uh, this story came to my mind uh, that happened just a few weeks ago. We were, in our, we were in Arkansas for Thanksgiving. And when we were there, Addie and Lachlan and I had a chance uh, to go on a little hike, just the three of us. Uh, and, and as we went on this hike, uh, I was trying to talk to the kids and, you know, point out stuff, you know, nature guide dad, you know, trying to like point and show them stuff, teach them stuff. And I could tell Addie was a little distracted. She was kind of looking around and looking over her shoulder. And if she heard a noise, she'd be like, what was that noise? And so about five minutes into the hike, 
She, and this conversation is one of those, if you have kids, it's one of those conversations that has cemented itself in my memory. I can't, I can't forget it. Uh, it's so good. It's so, uh, she turns to me and she says, Daddy, are there bears out here? I said, well, there could be. I mean, I don't think so in this area, though, but you don't need to worry about that. Some of you are like, just say no. <laughs> but I'm just being truthful. So there could be. Uh, and she says, there could be. I'm scared, Daddy. What if there was a bear on this trail? I said, Addie, I thought for a moment. I said, Addie, who are you to me? She said, what? What do you mean? I said, well, I'm your daddy. So who does that make you? She says, um, your daughter. And I said, that's right. And I said, that means that I love you with all my heart and I'll protect you at all costs. So you don't have to be afraid of bears because I'm with you. I wouldn't let you be here on this trail all alone. And she said, eesh, that would be very scary being out here all alone. What? And then she paused and goes, what does at all costs mean? I was like, how do I explain that? I said, so, well, I said, it means I'd give my life to keep you safe from a bear. But that's not for you to worry about. That's my responsibility. And she said, I'm, uh, she said, daddy, I'm still scared. Are you sure there aren't bears out there? And I said, I'm pretty sure there aren't, but like I said, there could be. I said, so I see how you might be scared, but do I look scared though? She said, no, and she smiled. I said, so if I'm not scared, should you be scared? She said, no. And then she took my hand and we began walking further. And then a few moments later, she said, daddy, we should turn back. We're gonna get lost. Are we lost? And I said, no, of course not, we're not lost. Uh, and I said, I know where we're going. She said, how do you know where we're going? Have you been on this trail before? I said, well, this is the first time I've walked this trail, but I've been on many trails before. And because I know where this trail ends, it leads back to the beginning where we started. She said, how do you know that? I said, remember when we started this trail, there was a map which helps you plan where to go. So even before we started this trail, I knew where it ended. I wouldn't take you on a path. <laughs> Spiritual implications. I wouldn't take you on a path that would get you lost. And he says, yeah, uh, and then she said, uh, yeah, that would be silly to go on a trail that would get you lost. And I said, yeah, it would. And at that point, I think I had satisfied her questions. But as we hiked, I began to think about it. And as you can already tell, about a few minutes into that, I was like wiping away tears because I couldn't help but think about like our heavenly father in that same situation and how for so many of us, these questions arise inside of us as we go through life, as we have these challenges that steal our peace. And we say, God, you know, are, are you trustworthy? God, wh where are we going? What if there's a bear? What if there's something around the corner that I don't see? What if you know, I feel worried something bad has happened or maybe it will happen? God, what do I do? How do I deal with this fear? God, I feel lost. Am I lost? Where are we going? What does the future hold? We have so many questions that come up. And whenever Addie asks me questions like that, I always pause and think, what's the underlying question? You know, was she really concerned about the population of bears in Fort Smith, Arkansas? Yeah, I don't think so. She was concerned about so many things. And as I thought about it, I kind of boiled it down to two questions. And the two questions are, can I trust you? This, or maybe another one that's like it is, uh, where do I stand with you, God? Can I trust you? What's going on here between us? Am I safe here with you? And then number two is I'm afraid. God, are you able to help me? Do you actually have some way to help me on this journey? 
And so that's what we're going to do today. Just like I provided confidence and assurance for Addie, we're going to look at what the Lord has to say to us to provide us confidence and assurance as our Prince of Peace. Does that make sense? So we're going to answer those two questions today. So first up, can I trust you, God? Where do I stand with you? You know, and the answer to this question is essential to grasp because Jesus' answer to it sets a foundation for us to answer the second question. Without the first, we can't answer the second. But before we do that, you know, we're focusing on this phrase, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But peace, what does peace mean? What is, I know we kind of have an idea of what peace means, but you know, the world has many, or, or the word rather, has many definitions. It can be absence of conflict, peace. It can be tranquility, peace and quiet, not being disturbed. But in the Bible, it means so much more than that. So in the Bible, the two words for peace are shalom. Everybody say shalom. 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 Thank you. Hello. How are you doing? Shalom is also a greeting. You can use it like that. You could say shalom. And then the second word is erene. Everybody say erene. Erene. That's right. That's the Greek word for it. And both of the words have this idea of wholeness or completeness, not lacking anything or restoring that which was broken to wholeness. Isn't that awesome? So that's what peace means. So uh, even in scripture, there's a few verses where uh, where he says, uh, I think it's in Job, where he says, I will have shalom if I count all my flocks and not one of them is missing. Like meaning if I have all my sheep, I've got shalom. Not nothing's missing from me. And so it has that idea to it. So with that definition in mind, let's look at Romans five. That's where we're going to be for a little bit this morning. Romans five, one through ten to answer this question. God you know, uh, can I trust you, God? Where do I stand with you? Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope And listen to this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood while we were enemies, mind you, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? There's so much going on here, man. You could spend a whole sermon series on just this passage, but we're we're going down to simple gospel truths today. The meat and potatoes of the gospel. If you like meat, hopefully you're not a vegetarian, but Meat and potatoes of the gospel today, simple truths. So our first promise or answer to our question, can I trust you, God? Where do I stand with you? Is that we have peace with God. We have peace with him. We're restored. And what does peace mean? Wholeness has been restored. Our relationship is now full, whole again. This is the gospel, church. It's the basic gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. He's our prince of peace, our prince of wholeness. Isn't that amazing? And we're reconciled to God when? When we cleaned ourselves up and came to him, right? No, while we were enemies of God. This is amazing. 
the reality of this truth, I want it to sink in today. If you know Jesus, I don't want you to forget this. If you don't know him, it's here for you today, this truth, that even while you're an enemy of God, man, he's here for you, reaching out his hand, giving out to you this free and wonderful grace. Oh, man, I'm excited today, guys. This is awesome. There's nothing like the gospel. When I really think about it, when I really get down to brass tacks, there's nothing more beautiful than this to me. So the basis, the foundation of our peace with God does not come from your performance. It doesn't come from how good you are. That's good news. It comes through the performance of another on your behalf. You didn't earn God's love. That's okay. He's given it as a gift to you. And it says this. It says as much in Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's the gift of God. And we have this new standing with God. And what I'm so excited about now at this point is because we have, we, we, we have another truth that we get to look at because we think about, man, we're now son, God's sons and daughters. This is incredible. But I don't know about you. My heart sometimes says to me, wait, you know, to have his love and his forgiveness, don't we have to obey him, right? Like we have to do all the right things and not mess up. Like we have to, you know, uh, obey his commands and not sin and be like Jesus. Isn't there like this? Doesn't it say in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So what do I do when I fail? Okay, oh man, I need both hands, that's okay. We're about to hold two truths in our hands. So put out one hand, like this. In this, in this hand, I wanna, I wanna let you hold one truth. And it's the first one that we read. And it's, I am reconciled to God 100% fully. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus' perfect righteousness, and it's God's gift to me that I did not earn. All right, you got it? Open that hand, grasp it. Don't let go of that truth. All right, and your other hand, stretch out your other hand. I do mine, but I can't. Hold, hold out that hand. And the second truth is this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We're God's children. You're his child, beloved, adopted in his household. You're no longer outside. You're not a reconciled stranger. You're a reconciled child. I, don't, I still don't know if you quite get it. I don't, still don't know if you quite get the significance because if we think about this, man, if we hold these two truths, if we let go of this first one, that we're reconciled to God, we fall into legalism because we start working really hard to earn his love over here in this hand, this hand, right here. And then if we, if we let go of this hand over here, we come over here, man, we, we, we may believe we're saved, but we, get, we, we think God gets impatient with us because he, he reconciled us, right? But now I failed. I messed up. I sinned. And so where am I in this place? We have to have these two truths hold, held together that God has reconciled to me. He has reconciled me, but he's not just reconciled me as a stranger. He's now adopted me into his family, his forever family. Isn't that good news, church? Oh, and we, we, we have these truths that without these two truths, we're powerless. We're powerless against sin when we fail. Without these two truths, basic truths of the gospel, we're powerless. And it makes me think of, these, of this compressor, which is a natural thought, right? No, 
It's not. That's okay. You can laugh. That was funny, I think. So as we look at this, though, we're, 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 we're powerless without these two truths. It's like this compressor. And this is, a, this is a nail gun if you don't know what it is. And this nail gun has to have air pressure behind it for it to work. I can try all I want to get it to go, but it won't, just by my own strength. Ready? I'm going to pop a blood vessel in my eyeball if I do that again. There's nothing I can do. My lungs create a whopping 1.8 pounds per square inch of pressure. Not very much. But we, you and I, we need both truths. We need to be connected to the Father. We can't be on our own. Wrong end. So this is one promise. This is one promise of God. We take this and we plug in. This is the fact. This is the fact that we're justified, reconciled to God. We're, we, are, we now have peace with him. There's no more enmity between us and the father. Do you understand that? That's tremendous. It's life changing. We have no more enmity between God and us. But if we take it and that's all we have, that's great news. But how do I relate to him when I fail in the future? And you will. I will. I do every day. I do every week. I spend a lot of time repenting to my kids. And I love modeling for that, that for them, that, that to them. They get to see that. But I need something else. I need to know that I'm accepted, that I'm loved, that I'm called, that God loves me even now, that he's going to develop me. And that's the other one. That's the other truth. And when we have it connected, now we can get some work done, right? Right? We're not alone anymore. There's power here now. And this thing creates, I think, 150 pounds per square inch or a little bit more than that. I could never do that with my own lungs. I could never get there on my own. I could never accomplish this on my own. But when we hold these two truths together, God changes our life and we have now power to see things change, to actually see life change in our life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to pop that off. Okay. So guys, we have the answers to our, to, to our question. God, can I trust you? Where do I stand with you? We have peace with God. We have shalom with God. We're reconciled to him and we are God's children, not God's fully formed adults. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> you are God's adults made in his image. No, you're God's children. There's a reason he calls us children, right? Like with Addie, she's learning how to read. I don't get frustrated with her when she can't read on my level. I'm like beyond proud of her. Addie, am I proud? Of, am I proud of you? Yes, I'm beyond proud of her for where she's at. Is it so hard to believe for us? And I know it is for me at times. Could God really, really look at me like that? Like the wonder of it, that the God of the universe could really look at me and see his child and understand where I'm at and have compassion on me and then and then see me through it through my failures to say, no, when you fail, don't run away from me. Come back to me when you lose it, when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Don't run. Come back because I love you. You're in relationship with me. That's what God is like. That's why we have earthly fatherhood. I'm learning all these things as I do it. 
and it's just blowing my mind. It's changing my life, my personal relationship with God. I'm getting off my script. I got to keep going. We're not going to have time. So, guys, I'm so excited for this because the answers to those questions are incredible. All right, our next question, question number two, is, God, I'm afraid. God, are you able to help me? So how do I deal? <clears throat> Woo! All right. <clears throat> how do I deal with fear in the face of everything in my life? most of which seems to stir up fear, worry, or anxiety. You know, we all have fears. 2020 has been a year of fear-inducing headlines. You know, has it not? Whether it's, you know, coronavirus is the obvious one, but election, controversy over that, civil unrest, violent riots, headlines we've not seen in our generation before, tense or worse conversations with friends and family about said things going on in our society breaking up of relationships of all sorts because of that stuff, division. I mean, we're 10 months in and people are still just racked with fear. What is Jesus, our Prince of Peace? He's our Prince of Peace, y'all. What does he have to say to that? What does he have to say to us? John 14, 25 through 27 says this, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, here it is, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When I read this passage and I wonder what kind of peace does Jesus mean? What is he referring to? What is he getting at? You know, is it the shalom we talked about earlier? Maybe, but he could be talking about global peace or political peace or simply peace of mind. He might be, but I think we have a clue. He says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I do not give to you as the world gives. How does the world give peace? The person you prefer taking office, vaccines, legislation, peace treaties, military power, uh, insurance of various kinds, 401ks, retirement accounts, social safety nets, police, 911, security systems, locks on your door, all of which are good. I have locks on my door. Thank you. There's like, it's, all of those things are good. I'm thankful for all of them. But that is not how he's giving to us. That is not the peace that Jesus offers. You know, he doesn't say, let your globe, do not let your globe be troubled. He doesn't say, don't let your society be troubled. Don't let your bank account be troubled. He looks at it and he says, do not let your what? Hearts. I mean, how amazing is that? In this passage, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to go to the cross and he's concerned with my peace. He's concerned with his disciples' peace. I mean, we have an incredible Savior, y'all, that this is what Jesus is concerned about. So he doesn't give as the world gives. He's giving us and what kind of peace? His peace. That's amazing. You know, it says in Scripture, today is joy for Advent, that he gives us his joy and his peace. So he's giving us a peace and a joy that can't be taken away. Literally cannot be taken away. There's nothing anyone can do, any circumstance that can remove your joy. Because you have Jesus' joy. Not, you, have, you have a source of joy that's not on your own. Isn't that amazing, church? Right? Am I alone? Come on. This is incredible. Oh, okay. So Jesus' peace, his peace, it's a wholeness 
It's a completeness. It's a peace that can't be taken away. And he says this in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus wants you to have a peace so that when trouble comes, when you lose your income, when you get coronavirus, when the mob comes and your very life is at risk, or when persecution comes, or whatever comes, when a friend betrays you, whatever happens, he wants you to have a peace that when, when all that happens, you've still got it, no matter what may come. And you think, how could I have a peace that would be able to survive that? And it says, that it says as much in Scripture. It says that we'll have a peace that passes understanding, that literally we can't get it. We can't understand how amazing it is that this peace is that we'll have. Oh, I love this church. So we I lost my place. Let me pull that up real quick. So, God, I'm afraid. God, are you able to help me? And we have an answer to that. We have this answer uh, that we are given Jesus' peace now in this life, which cannot be taken away. And, you know, as I think about this and I think about fear and all the stuff, fear is not evil or bad in and of itself. Everyone experiences fear. Everyone experiences the motion. It kind of sometimes wells up and you can't stop it, right? Sometimes you just feel it coming up. But it's what we do with that fear, where we let it direct us, where we let it lead us. So more, than, more often than not, fear is the emotion that drives us to idolatry and sin. Whether it be looking to a political candidate as a savior to alleviate our fears or giving into anger, hate, and violence to give us this illusion that we're in control of things. Those are just worldly means to do that. Fear ultimately drives us one of two directions. To seek peace, to seek wholeness, to seek completeness from another source, but only if we let it. You know, it knocks at everyone's door. No one's immune to it. But if we let it in, it drives us to obtain wholeness through something or someone else other than Jesus. But if we take fear and we let it drive us to the feet of Jesus, our prince of peace, our prince of wholeness, then to take heart in him because he has overcome the world. Namely, he overcame sin and death on our behalf so that no matter what happens, death is no longer an end for us, but it's a door through which we step into eternal life. Man, guys, so we, we, we look at this. He says this in Isaiah 9, 6. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and wholeness, completeness, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So there will be no end to the increase of his leadership and of his wholeness and completeness. So instead, he will be our satisfaction, literally filling every empty space inside of us. Anything he didn't fill in this life, he's going to fill one day when he returns. So when we say, God, I'm afraid. God, are you able to help me? He says, yes, I've given you my peace. You have it now. Take hold of it. I've given it to you. It's my gift to you. And then he says, and when I return, when I come back in glory, I'm going to bring my full peace, my full wholeness, my full completeness with me. Man, as I think about this church, we, the, these two questions, God has answered them mightily for us. He's answered them mightily for us. And I, I can't think of any other way as, as just thinking about as we're, we're about to close. So if the band could come up. 
I can't think of any other way that as we move forward into Christmas and into 2021, I mean, how many people are hoping for a better year? You know, people are hoping for something different, hoping that things will change. If, if, if I, as a believer, if I don't have, if I'm not connected to my source of power, if I'm not connected to the promises of God, if I forget them, where am I left? I'm left powerless, striving, just that thing, you know, like, like trying, to, trying to make things work, trying to see if I can make it to God, see if I can work out my own righteousness. But if we have these promises of God, man, so this, so I want to encourage you with three things as you go into the holidays. One, take time to swim in the promises of God. Take time to swim in the promises of God. It says in Ephesians 2, 4 and 15, he himself is our peace, Jesus. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose, uh, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And those are just two. I, ha I, I searched every verse in the Bible that had peace in it. And my document was about 10 pages long. There's so many verses about the peace of God and the kind of peace that he offers. So that's one. Take time to swim in the promises of God. Take time to enjoy them. And I say swim because we want to be immersed in them. Take time to be with Jesus. Number two is talk about it with your community. The other day I went uh, and, and got together with some guys early in the morning just to talk about life. And I talked about some discipline stuff with kids that was just going rough at our house. And they didn't offer any solutions. They didn't say, hey, here's what you need to do. They just listened and they prayed for me. And when I got home, I cannot tell you how much better I felt. I felt like I had clarity and perspective. I was kinder to my kids. Guys, we can't, we're not meant to do this journey alone. So as you, as you take time to swim in the promises of God, then go and talk about it with someone. Talk about the fears you have. Go and share them with someone in your life. You're not meant to do life alone, church. That's why we've got life groups. Look them up. We want you to be in one. And then number three, take just 10 minutes a day or five to pray with thanksgiving and ask for perspective. So thank Jesus for his peace and his joy that he's given you. It's his peace and joy. And then thank him for his gift of reconciliation with God. Thank him that you're a child of God, that he's not done with you, that you're not finished, that you have this truth, that he's reconciled you and that you're his child beloved in his household that he's now responsible for to develop and to grow. And then ask him for perspective. That same question that Addie asked me or that I put to Addie, ask God that same thing. Father, are you scared? Are you worried about the things in my life? And man, God would love to provide you with some perspective that'll blow your mind on how he feels about you, on how he feels about the situation that you may be in. Does that make sense? Church, God's hand of peace, his hand of reconciliation and love is literally outstretched to us each and every day, each and every day. And if you're online with us, Man, we would love to pray with you. And if you're here in this room, we would love to pray with you. Our prayer and prophetic team will be up here afterward. They're not just up here afterward to look pretty. They're up here to pray with you because they want to see life change. So if there's anything happening in your heart, if you've heard this message, you think, man, I need God. His hand is outstretched to me. If you've never taken his hand, it's here. It's there. It's ready. Or if your love has grown cold, it's here and it's ready. 
whether it be because of fear, anxiety, or whatever else, he's ready to receive you today. God loves you so much, church. Man, does he love you. And he's passionate for your joy. That's why he wants you to come to him. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for who you are. And thank you for your goodness and your kindness, Lord. Thank you for the fact that you've reconciled us to you today, Father. God, I pray that as we worship you, our hearts would just be lifted up and reminded of the goodness and joy that you have brought into our hearts and into our minds. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.